Welcome into another edition of Meet Meet Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptop at C70. Alan Medlock still doing the baseball thing, still doing all the things that go along with getting a season ready. So we are joined this week by Ben Clements. You'll know him from writing over at Fangraphs. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Ben underscore Clemens. Ben, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, let's, before we get into all this Cardinal stuff, talk a little bit about how things are going at Fangraphs. I, I know you've been writing quite a lot of things uh looking at your list you haven't had to worry about the cardinals much which is probably <laughs> one of the first times i mean i guess as a writer you kind of maybe envy the beat writers some years but probably not last year at all yeah um it was you know i got into writing about baseball from writing about the cardinals and so just for as long as i can remember that's been kind of just like in like it's just part of my writing mm-hmm. and but it's always been great, right? Because like, they're always <laughs> awesome. It's, uh, I, I always joke on my wife's a Brewers fan and she was like, oh yeah, the Cardinals are our rivals. And I was like, oh, we don't actually think the Brewers that way. And she's like, yeah, that's why you're our rivals. <laughs> um, like this is kind of the first year where it hasn't felt like that. Even in the, like I started writing in 2018, I think, mm. which was like not a, a huge high for Cardinals baseball. Right kind of in the, the depths of the not reaching the playoffs for a few years. But I don't know. It just it just felt like they were due. It was going to happen. And it's it's not that it's been nice to uh, to be disconnected from, like, everyday Cardinals writing. But I will say that it does soften the blow a little bit. Because, look, like, I, I am a national writer. So I I am not really, like, there's definitely no bias in my writing. I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. confident that. I think I do a good job uh, not making anything too too obviously one way or another, but it's more fun for me when the Cardinals are doing well. Like I, I still root for them. It's just, uh, it, so like this year did suck, but it sucked a little less because I was able to like, it didn't affect my job. I could imagine that doing your kind of daily job of writing out the Cardinals when they're doing badly, just, ugh, man, that, that sounds not very fun. Yeah. We had Katie Wu on last week and she talked about how by the end of the season, she was, I think she said she was doing cartwheels going into the last game of the year. So it was going to be over, yeah. uh, at least for a while, you know, obviously you pick it back up, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And so, and, and I guess, you know, the national broad thing does allow you to one, not get caught up on anything, but two, it lets you kind of write about whatever you want, whatever you get interested in. You're not really tied down to anything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically the pitch that, <laughs> Fangraphs gave me. I mean, I, I like working there. I, I used to work at Viva Alberto's uh, mm-hmm. work. I mean, I wrote there for free because it was fun and I like writing. Right. Um, but write about what you want is 
Well, okay, not exactly right about what you want, because if I was like, I just want to write about only the Cardinals, they'd be like, well, no. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, you're supposed to cover all of baseball. This is not all of baseball. And yeah, that's fair. But I, I've really been enjoying kind of getting to take a broad look at things. And one underrated thing is, it's just true that whatever your work is, is work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of enjoy the fact that often when I watch a Cardinals game, I'm just watching it for fun. Like, I... I have watched a lot of baseball in my life. And so I'm, you know, always watching to see what's going on. It's just kind of, I can't turn that part of my brain off. Right. But I do make an effort to tell myself, like, this is for fun. Like, I'm going to talk to my dad about this game. Maybe I'll call him while I'm watching. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, figure out exactly what anybody's doing or, like, make sure, like... Like, try to come up with an article idea, essentially. Right. I'm not doing that. I'm just watching it to, uh, to enjoy myself. You're, you're not taking notes. You're not rewinding. You're not... It's yeah. Just I mean, like... sometimes I'm rewinding. <laughs> I'm a big, uh, like, casual sports rewinder. I love saying, like, that play was awesome. Did you see it? Why aren't they showing a replay? Let's go back. But I'm not rewinding, like... Like, I, there's this quote that Roger Federer said a long time ago that I really enjoyed, um, just because it really kind of explained what he's like. And he said, uh, they asked him... Well, Roger, do you watch tape? Because it was getting very big in tennis at the time. Right. And he said, well, yes, I do. But it's mainly for my own enjoyment. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel. Like, I, I'm watching the tape of the Cardinals, but it's not to write about them. But sometimes it is, but mostly it's not. Mostly it's right. just because I like it, you know, because I grew up like that. Which is good. I mean, you get to keep that keep that fandom while still being oh, in totally. baseball. So that's, it's great. That's cool. Do you find yourself... I mean, you, you're right. You're not covering the Cardinals. You're not covering any team. Do you find yourself starting, like, trying to make sure it's spread out when you're covering teams? Like, hey, I haven't written about the Rangers in a while. Maybe I need to go look for something that they're doing. I mean, within reason. Like, I if I wrote six straight articles about the Giants or something, mm-hmm. not even six straight, just a few straight, uh, then, yeah, then I would try to balance things out. But I'm there's no quotas. Like, I'm not worried i'm not writing enough about the royals if they're not doing something interesting i'm probably not gonna write about them i will say that i watch a lot of games during the season i try to watch like a game a day at least uh maybe not all the way through but plenty of the action mm-hmm. and that i do try to to fly around because some of my writing uh one thing that i came up with last year that i think has worked out really well is i started writing this column like five things i liked this week mm-hmm. and the idea is just like, here's five little things in baseball that I watch. And that is much less like doing analysis and, you know, how will this guy start hitting for more power? That's kind of my like bread and butter is like statistical analysis, but that's boring. Like, let's be honest, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, but doing that all the time gets old. And so I think it's a lot more fun to write about like, uh, like, I'll give you a great example. I was watching a Cardinals game and ended up writing about it. Wilson Contreras pulled off a really good bluff. The Brewers were like killing the Cardinals and they tried that whole like, uh, like steal second, steal home, like delayed double steal deal. Mm -hmm. And he just like stood up and didn't do anything and started walking out (laughs) towards second. And the Brewers got confused. And I think it was Mark Canna, although maybe not, I'm kind of forgetting. Maybe it was Joey Weimer. Somebody was stuck between first and second, just embarrassed themselves, hung out to dry. The guy from third didn't score. And I was like, well, this is great. I'll just write about this. I don't really want to do any analysis. Like, this play was fun. Um, So when I'm doing that, I do try to watch games for as many teams as possible. Kind of try to keep it balanced. Because if it was really, like, 
what does Ben want to watch today? Then it would be all Cardinals and Giants games. I live in San Francisco. Uh, uh, or like all Cardinals and West Coast games. And mm-hmm. look, honestly, like I can get away with a lot, which is one thing I love about fan graphs. Like I write about what I want to, like you said. I probably could not get away with doing a national column of five things in baseball that interested me this week if four <laughs> of them were always about the Cardinals. Probably so, not. No, probably not. So I balance it out. But that is that is probably a really kind of like a, a palate cleanser, right? For you to write something that isn't oh my so in depth. It's just totally right. You know, one thing that uh, I mean, I don't know how much you care about the fact that sometimes writers get bored of writing. Um, I don't know if that's actually like an interesting topic of conversation. Go with it. I don't care. I mean, it's interesting to me and nobody's listening. So that's fine. Great. Um, (laughs) I like sometimes work just because it's work will get boring. Like there's Mm -hmm. just no way around it. And it's been very helpful to me that like I don't need to do the same thing all the time because I think I'm pretty good at uh, like taking a bunch of data and coming up with some like marginally interesting conclusion for baseball. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I got a lot of practice doing that, but it it does get boring. Um, Doing anything all the time gets boring. And so I'm very happy that I figured out a way to write, like, because I love watching baseball and I love writing about baseball and I love writing, but sometimes I get tired of the math part. And so finding some way to not be doing math every day is great. Um, If people are doing similar jobs, like not even similar jobs, just any job where you could come up with something that is job related, but coming at it from a very different angle. It's been like a, like a huge improvement to like my, the percentage of time that I feel burnout. Everyone feels burnout sometimes, but I'm feeling it much less now that I found some like different angles to come at it from. Well, and that's great. I mean, you're right. You gotta, you gotta have something, something different every once in a while. Um, you gotta have your dessert as well as your vegetables. So, um, and that's and that's great. Have you know Dane Perry's gonna be on next week, and you oh, know nice. obviously Dane is a national writer who does a lot of you know different type of writing than you do, but but still yeah. does national writing. And then he's of course started his Substack that is focused on the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Is that something maybe in the future you would think about doing, or is it you've got enough on your plate with Fangraphs? You know, I mean, there's a whole never say never. Like I don't I don't want to say this here, and then I do it in three years, and you're like Ben. Yes, I'm saving this right now. Specifically told me not to. Um, (laughs) uh, But no, one thing that I have really enjoyed about Fangraphs is if I'm like, hey, I want to do this, Mm -hmm. then then I do it. Or then someone at the site will help me, support me in it. Uh, David Appleman, our our boss, the site founder and like, you know, manager. That's one really nice thing. He, He founded the company. He owns the company. He is the company. Well, he is the company. That's probably a little, little grandiose, but That's he, he's like, he is a huge baseball fan who started fan because he liked fantasy baseball and wanted to get data online. So that's like a really good boss to have <laughs> yeah. when I, when I'm like, Hey David, I want to do this project. He's like, cool. Like, can we put it on the site somehow? Or I'll give you an example of something that I'm probably going to be doing before too long. I'm not very good at computer programming, which I think is something that a lot of people could say. Like, it's hard. Um, And I didn't take any classes for it in college or in high school. I mean, I don't even know if you can in high school. Certainly couldn't when I was going to school. Um, But in any case, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. But I've learned some on the job to, like, run queries and stuff and to figure things out. And so I thought 
oh, you know, like this is kind of interesting. I wonder if other people would be interested in learning some of this. Um, so I, I asked like, hey, like, do you think it would make sense to get a project set up where like I go on YouTube or Twitch or something, something where I can share my screen mm-hmm. and like do baseball queries, except like figure out how to do it. Like, hey, I want to figure out this question and I have this data. How do I do it in a computer programming language? And start from me, like, really not knowing. Because I don't know. Like, I, I'm i a novice. And, like, a lot of places would say, like, no, this, this is stupid. Like, you don't know how to do this. So you can't record yourself doing it on company time. <laughs> like, like, why would that be acceptable? But uh, Alphaman was like, that, you know, it was like, that sounds interesting. Like, like, should we, like, how do we brand this? Like, you know, will people like this? Like, let's figure out how to do this. As opposed to, like, no. So I assume that uh, that CBS is not quite as flexible of a place to work as um, a company that has 10 employees. Mm-hmm. True, that's probably fair. So I, I can totally see why Dane is doing that. <laughs> but honestly, like, it's just, I don't feel the desire to go somewhere mm-hmm. else because, man, like, it's just so easy to get things done at Fangraphs. Like, if I want to do something, we do it. it it's really cool. Um, I, I can't really say it better than that is that, a great place to work and i totally see why people are increasingly um writing sub stacks you know, i will probably subscribe to danes um mm-hmm. sam miller's is like i think my favorite piece of writing that there is on the internet i i got it for my dad for christmas or maybe for his birthday i can't remember mm-hmm. but it was so good that i had to get it i think Substack is a really cool way to get baseball information out but i i don't know i i get all the work i want to done at fangrass yeah Oh, that's fair. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, because you're right. You can do what you want to do. So that's not a, not a big issue. Um, things that were not cool were the Cardinals last year. Yeah. Um, oh, man. That, that was bad. Um, how surprised were you that it was? I, mean, I think everybody kind of saw some of the warning signs, but did you have any indication that it would be like, you know, the worst since 90? No, <laughs> no, I was really surprised. Um, I mean, it always feels, maybe this is just the way that I'm a fan, but I always feel like it's going to be like a not that great year. Mm. I'm never like, oh yeah, this team has done enough. It's perfect. Things can't go wrong. I'm always like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, and like, I felt that way a little bit uh, this past year, but I didn't, and then they started off badly and I thought, oh yeah, yeah, it's, maybe it's going to be a lost season, but not like this. Uh, it was even the first month and a half, you know, when they were just terrible and just started off bad and it just felt like just nothing was working. Even then I was like, this is going to be fine. Like, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. So um, my stepmom or my mother-in-law rather is a big Brewers fan, like my wife. And my dad had never been to either Wrigley or an American family, uh, AmFam. So we went on a trip uh, last year to see both of them. And it was really fun. The Cardinals weren't playing in either city, but we were in Milwaukee and the Cardinals were like four or five games back at the Brewers at this point. It was in May. And my mother-in-law was just like, oh my God, like you just know the Cardinals are going to past the Brewers. Like, this is how it <laughs> always works. I remember the first time that I met her was, uh, it was 2013. And either that year or the next year, I was talking to her about baseball. And 
it was like August 31st and the Brewers were in first place. And the Brewers had been in first place all year. They had never not been in first place. And then the Cardinals took over first place on September 1st and they were in first place the entirety of September. <laughs> and she was just like, I'm so sick of this. And so like in my brain, it just will always work that way. So even right. when things weren't going well, and even when I'm like, this team is not well put together, I don't know. I don't think it's logical, but I thought like it'll work out. <laughs> uh, like they'll they'll figure out some way. They always do. It, it's shocking, but it always works. And then yeah, as it just kept not happening, as we got farther into the year, and it was like, oh man, like the the Pirates still have a better record than us, <laughs> but everybody has a better record than us. Like this is one of the worst teams in baseball. It was just really surprising. I I I assume it was similar for you. Like it just. It just didn't quite feel real. Like, obviously it was real. Like, I'm not saying I doubted reality, but it was just like, this is weird. This is not how this works. Like, I've, I've seen this movie a lot of times and it always ends differently. Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, yeah, you go out of, you know, a lot of people, because we do have that, you know, what, what Ben Humphreys calls football brain nowadays, yeah. right? That, you know, after the first week and they're, whatever they were one five or whatever the case may be. And we're all like, Oh, it's a, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, it's totally. over. It's over like that. And you, you don't want to be that person. Um, but then you get to the end of April and it's like, it's going to be really hard for yeah. this to, to, be, to be good, but okay. And then, yeah, then you get to like halfway through May and they're trying to put Wilson Contreras in the outfield. And you're like, oh, yeah, this, this just may not be, Somebody that's did not a, get them the right script this year. That's a good point. When that happened, I was like, oh, God, this is this, this is bad. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but this cannot be right. Like, they just got this guy. What are we doing? Yeah, it really did feel like a bit of flailing around in that first bit, right? Just totally. something's going wrong. We don't know what it is, and we don't know how to fix it. We're, so we're going to push every button that we can find. Yeah, so I'm gonna plug more of my writing really quickly. Oh, yeah. um, what you're here for? I I wrote the uh, the essay in the Baseball Prospectus Annual about the Cardinals mm-hmm. this year, which was a uh, really fun. I've never written one of those before, and the idea of it is to like write a retrospective on the team and also then look forward to the next year. Yeah. And it's cool because I don't really get to do a lot of Cardinal centric writing, like we were talking about. But for this, it was basically just like letting my fan pathos play, and that is like. Man, they've talked a lot about the Cardinal way, Cardinals way, whatever you want to call it over the years, but it's very undefinable, right? It's it's basically winning. Um, <laughs> there's, there's certainly no specific thing that they do well because you're like, oh, it's defensive fundamentals. Yeah, is it though? Like Matt Carpenter played a lot of second base. John Jay played a lot of second, center field. Like those are not actually good defensive players there. The great hitters, they're great players. Like Matt Carpenter is one of my favorite Cardinals, um, but they're not... I think my dad would tell you that the Cardinals way is about defense and sometimes it was, but then sometimes it was about like having good young pitching and sometimes it was about trades and sometimes it was about having Albert Pujols and it just didn't feel like there was ever much of a actual way, but it always worked out. And so I just like, my brain was just like, Oh, it's fine. Like I just assumed everything would be fine. And then now that it wasn't fine once, and only once. Like, do you know how lucky the Cardinals are mm-hmm. that it's only not been fined once? Like, how lucky we are as fans? They're, every other team, things go wrong, like, every other year if they're lucky. Like, that's that's a good ratio. But the first time in the 21st century that I was like, oh, this year sucks. That I, like, they've just 
been going crazy trying to figure out what the actual right way to do things is. Is the right way to do things signing, you know, Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson? I mean, I really like the Sonny Gray signing. So I'm I'm leaving him out here, even though I think that you could technically count it because I just really like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he was a good deal. But it just seems like as soon as the spell was broken, like as soon as we realized that Santa Claus didn't exist, there's no getting it back. It's like, wait, maybe they were just getting lucky. Like, did they really have a plan? Is this actually a way? Is it just made up? And that's that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. It's just that everything this team has done has just turned to gold for years. And that's really cool. Um, I mean, great work. It's very impressive by them. But as soon as, like, you need to see their, like, plan and intentionality and everything, it's like, huh, I don't know. Like, this looks tricky. Uh, how is this really the way that you're supposed to do it? And that has been just a really, uh, really strange feeling for me as a fan. I've, I've never felt that about the Cardinals before because by the time I was really caring about the ins and outs of a front office, uh, they've just been hitting it every year, you know, right. like they've, they've just never missed. So it's been, it's been a strange year. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it was a year that I think, you know, of course fans, we overreact and all that kind of stuff. But it did feel like that was going to be that kind of wake up call, right? That to tell the front office, hey, maybe this, you know, maybe you've got to fix some things. Right. And, you know, obviously they did go out and, and make some moves this winter, but it still also feels like they didn't necessarily take it. I don't want to say they'd take it seriously because that just sounds wrong, but it doesn't feel like they put as much import on that year as maybe they should have. Like they did say, hey, Things didn't work, but we're going to go right back to our plan and it'll work for the next 30 years again. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, so where where do <laughs> where do you stand then here? Are we going into getting close to, to 2024, getting really started? You're right. The, the magic, you know, the spell has been broken. If they falter again, where do the Cardinals go? I mean, that's a great question. I feel like it's going to end with like front office turmoil. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's like, hey, we brought in Heim Bloom and he's going to get promoted to the number two and like we're going to get rid of the manager and like change Mozilek's role. I don't know if it's Mozilek saying like, you know what? I've had enough of this. Like this isn't <laughs> that fun when we're not winning and like I've made plenty of money and people think I'm smart. And if I do this for six more years, maybe they won't. Um, I I truly don't know what will happen, but if you told me the Cardinals missed the playoffs this year, not even like, like if they have another 70 win season, I think the front office is going to leave like right. one way or another. I, but I think that's pretty unlikely. Like 70 wins is just, I'm not seeing it. Um, but I think if they miss the playoffs, we're going to go into next year and two of the top three decision makers will not be there anymore. And just like, that's like, someone has to do something. I will say like the Cardinals have a good team. I don't think that 2023 was reflective of actually how good they were. I think just things started spiraling wrong Mm -hmm. and they didn't do a good job building the team. Like they didn't have enough pitching and that can really hurt you. 
but it doesn't have to. And if you ran that season back a bunch of times, I think almost every time they win far more than 70 games. Like one thing that could happen is that they didn't fix anything. The plan was bad and the NL Central sucks and they just win anyway. <laughs> like, like I think that's entirely in play. The Brewers just traded Corbin Burns. Like they're getting worse on purpose to get better in the future. The Cubs, I don't know. The Cubs could improve a lot still, but like this is not yet a team that is super scaring me. Like they, they're playing a guy who just couldn't remotely crack the Dodgers roster as their starting first baseman. Like Jan Gomes is their starting catcher. That's like, he's kind of a backup, I mean, a good backup. Don't get me right, wrong. Right. But like everybody makes fun of Nick, how bad Nick Madrigal is and like what a joke it is. Cause I, so I'm a big Nick Madrigal fan. And I, I think I've been mocked for my continual overrating of him. Well, he's starting for them at third base. Like they have a lot of starters where you're like, really him? Like, is he funny or something? Um, I mean, it could work out really well, but when you're talking about that as one of your chief competitors, yeah. like there's, there's just space for the Cardinals to be wrong and not get it right. And still just win going away. Like that's, that's the benefit of playing in the NL central where the, I mean, look, I'm giving the Reds not enough credit here. The Reds, the Reds look pretty good right now. But mostly teams in the NL Central aren't quite as good as teams in the East or West right now. And so the Cardinals have been as good, and so that's why they keep winning. It could easily happen that they, they drop a level and yet just beat everybody because it's a bad division. I think that would be... Like, if the Cardinals win 85 games and win the NL Central, presumably things just continue the way they are. But that would be really disappointing. That would be like kind of the worst case outcome for me. Yeah, I mean that because there's, it really feels like the front office would take that as a we did, we're back in the playoffs. We did what we right. needed to like, do. We did enough, and it's like like everything's gonna come back the way it was. But it doesn't feel to me like if that's the case that everything's been fixed. Like it still feels a little. Uh, if that's what happens, if at the end of the day we're like, um. Well, what the Cardinals really needed to do was go sign a bunch of average pitchers to win 85 games. Like, I don't want that to be the takeaway. I, I don't want them to have this happen, have those guys not work out that well, and be like, great, all we needed was them to not be abysmal. So I'm really hoping, I mean, I hope that I'm wrong. I, I hope that I'm wrong and that Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn are better than I thought, that the Cardinals have identified something in them, that like a lot of the young pitchers work out Sonny Gray shoves like I expect him to. I mean, I, I think he's really good. And the signing of the offseason, honestly, like probably for any team, him or Imanaga. Like I could see them winning 95 games next year. And it's like, oh, wow. Like the hitting talent was really there. Like there were just a lot of guys who had worse seasons than you'd expect, despite being underlying very good. Like they never have issues with injury, which I think is uh, extremely to the front office's credit. You know, they, they really build overlapping teams to where if one guy gets hurt, well, there's like six others who do basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, now, Goldschmidt and Arnado haven't been hurt, so we'll, we'll see how, <laughs> if that's true, if they get hurt. But the Cardinals are really good at uh, at building just like very clever rosters. I think that's going to continue. And yeah, like I, I think it's entirely possible that they just have a banner season this year that the pitchers that they picked up are better than I expected. I hope that's what happens, but I don't know. This is, this is the most I've been like, I don't trust the front office. And the thing is like, I think that is like a majority opinion now, but even then I'm worried I'm wrong. Like I think Cardinals front office has been pretty good for a while. Um, 
like pretty impressive for a while. I think that they, like, I don't quite understand their plan. As I said, like maybe, maybe there was no plan and they were just kind of winging it and doing well, but they've just like developed a lot of players and there's, there's clearly some method to their madness somewhere. I just don't know where it is. And look, I hope I get proven wrong and that it was just all there and it just snaps together that they're just better at evaluating pitchers than I am. Um, but I, I haven't felt worried like this going into the season or uncertain like this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, you know, <laughs> I don't guess maybe worst case scenario of, you know, Lance Lynn and, and Kyle Gibson being good this year is they would probably have their option picked up for next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you're looking at, you know, pitchers that are a year older and, did they really change or did they have a good year? And, you know, you may, it may be a little bit of a mirage this year and, and, and fall apart in 25. Now, hopefully not. And, and there are, uh, you know, by the time 25 comes around, you've got people like, you know, Takoa Roby and, and other things that may be a little tink hints perhaps yeah, that are maybe. I'm very excited to see Graceffo in the majors. Yeah. Uh, all those guys could be, you know, ready to take over. And so maybe you could, you know, cut a Lance Lynn if he, but still, that's yeah. a lot of ifs and ifs and buts and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, given the fact that we're seeing this week, you know, the Cardinals system being ranked, you know, 18th, 20th. In the, and there's not, yeah, there's not that high level talent coming through to, to save a lot of this. Like there used to be. Yeah. I mean, respect, you know, credit to them. A lot of their high level talent just hit the majors. Like mm-hmm. Jordan Walker. I actually, I think Mason Wynn is still on all the prospect lists. Yeah. Yeah despite being on the major league roster. So he's kind of a double dip, but like Walker's out of eligibility. Nolan Gorman graduated and is better than I think people expected. You know, there's, there's the classic, like Brendan Donovan is much better than people expected as a prospect. They do a good job at like Newt Bar is better than people expected as a prospect. They do a great job of getting the most out of their system. So I think those farm system rankings are probably a bit too harsh in terms of like the value the farm will deliver to the team. They're really good at making it work. Um, mm-hmm. Like big credit to them for those for the fact that their farm system just historically outperforms its rankings. But yeah, like like particularly on the pitching front, because it's not obvious where you'd have a bunch of hitting reinforcements appear. Like where would they play? Right. Um, the the roster is very crowded with pretty good hitters, um, especially on the pitching front. Yeah, like it's not great, and the fact that. It's not great, despite the fact that most of our best pitchers are a bunch of dudes we got last season because we realized we needed pitchers. Like, eh, you know, doesn't doesn't feel incredible. Um, I think that they like it would be dumb to bet against them turning it around because they've just been historical winners, but they haven't. It's not turned around yet. Right. Right. Yeah. Until you you get into the season, and, and again, we we pointed out that the, the schedule does them no favors early on. So, you know, if they get off to a bad start, then, you know, what does that tell the team? What does that tell everybody else? I know what kind of panic will show up in the fan base. Um, but, yeah, until they, until they put it together, you just don't know. Now, the Cardinals have done, I think, a fairly decent job this winter putting a bullpen together and, and doing it in creative ways, right? A Rule 5 some you know minor league pickups waiver wires trade trade of um outfielders and then assuming that uh, Kenyon Middleton signs um yeah. mm-hmm. the only the only one you know free agent as well but nobody of you know nobody at the Josh Hader nobody with the you know the huge commitment or anything of that nature 
Yeah. It really is interesting to see how they've done this and what may come of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have bad memories of Cardinals bullpens. The first <laughs> game I went to, I've like never been to a newest Bush stadium. I went a ton to oh. Bush too. Um, and then the first time I went to uh, the newest one was in 2021, maybe 2022. Uh, 2022, I think, actually. And I went to the game where Alex Reyes against the Braves, like, walked mm. in, walked, like, seven straight batters or something. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel like every time I'm walking, watching the Cardinals, there's some kind of bullpen implosion going on. Every time I'm watching them and, like, and really invested. Like, that when I was there and there were Braves fans behind us, so I was annoyed. And I really <laughs> wanted them to win. And didn't happen. Um, I don't think this team has been particularly adept or this... uh this organization is in particularly adept at building bullpens, despite having some pretty good individual relievers. But like Ryan Helsley is a real deal. Um, I think, I think he's one of the best five or so closers in baseball. And if you have that, I'm not terribly against the way they've gone around, excuse me, building behind him. Uh, you know, Gallegos, nice. I thought the Andrew Kitcher trade was incredible. I, I get like the, the frustration slash like trepidation of trading with the Rays. Like, are they going to get us? Like, are they, did they figure us out? But no, nah, come on, man. Like, like, it's just not like Andrew Kittredge is a real, like nice trade piece. Like that's um, like, he's a good reliever. I, I think that it's crazy to think that he's not. And Richie Palacios, I don't know. Like, was he, was he going to get a hundred plate appearances in the Cardinals this year? Like maybe, yeah. I mean, probably, but not many more than that. They have, it was kind of amazing that he had essentially supplanted Tyler O'Neill by the end of last season, and then the Cardinals also got something for Tyler O'Neill. Like, I think they've they've done a pretty good job of like the little retooling trades, and that's something that they've always been good at. I think the bullpen will work out, but I don't think it's going to be like the best in baseball or anything like that. So it is a little. Uh, like you're counting a lot on the the starters being pretty decent, I think. Yeah, there did seem to be that idea of okay, we're going to get guys that'll go to the sixth, so we don't have to have yeah. the relievers get into the fourth inning, and then those lesser innings will help these guys be good. Um, and we'll see if that happens. Um, you know, hopefully that's the case. It does feel like there's a little bit of, of flexibility as well. I mean. You know, they didn't, like I said, didn't sign a whole lot of people, didn't trade. They've got some guys with options. They've got some guys yeah. that can start in Memphis and kind of come up and down and, and play the hot hand a little bit. Although, need to kind of look at the, it feels like maybe there's only about one or two spots of that now, now that they've signed a, a Middleton. So, so I mean, I've got options that. here, actually, and that's easy <laughs> enough. Um, Palante has two. Yeah. Ryan Fernandez? That's a guy who we currently project in the bullpen. Um, has well, three. That's because he's the rule. That's five. the rule five guy, right? So he has three, yeah. but they don't want to use him. And then right. John King has one left. So right. two kind of flex spots. I mean, Helsley has options, but he's not going down, so that's not right. useful. Right. Uh, Romero's out of options. That's the only rough one. Everyone else is kind of like a like Gallegos, Kittredge, and Middleton don't have options, but they weren't mm-hmm. going to put them into the minors right. anyway. So right. the guys you'd want to have options do, except for Romero, and yeah. I mean that. That may end up with him getting bounced. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's good enough to be worth always holding in the major league roster. But Palante is definitely like a classic up and down guy. I'm kind of surprised he still has two options left because I feel like well, he's been in this role for a while. 
But see, that's the thing, you know, Pilate's a, a really interesting kind of weird one because he came up in 22 and stayed all year long, uh, um, never went yeah. back down. And then in 23, even when he was struggling, he didn't go down until, I want to say it's like August or something like that. Right. He was I late forgot he season. made a bunch of starts in 22. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they have, they've really liked him and we'll, you know, we'll see how it go. I mean, you're right. There are options and when he comes down to the only guy you can send down is, you know, then you have to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, there's, you're right. There's, there's some fixed, there's some fixed points out there. Um, and yeah. that should be interesting to see how that works around, you know? Um, but, um, and I mean, that's assuming they keep Fernandez, you know, they could try to make the, a deal with the Red Sox and that's you know, true and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's I, definitely like a, a real wait and see case here. Like it could just be that he is not good enough and, that a month into the season he's gone mm-hmm. and that that would really change i mean that's kind of a nice thing like right now his spot feels locked but if he's good enough to deserve that spot then it was going to be locked anyway right. like like you if he's the kind of guy that it's worth keeping on the roster all season then cool like then we want him in the bullpen and if he's not then like like great like if a guy was an up and down reliever who we didn't have last year and who was only good enough to be up and down, then I'm not heartbroken that he goes back to the Red Sox. I think that's a nice thing about um, kind of using, well, rule five picks, but particularly rule five picks for bullpen guys is, look, if they're if they're good bullpen guys, which some rule five picks become, then they just stay up anyway. Like, then it like the, the incentives are very aligned. You're never distraught to lose a rule five bullpen guy because it means he wasn't that good. And I mean, if you've got a good enough bullpen, you can kind of hide the rule five guy, right? I mean, he can pitch in yeah. games that are out of hand or, you know, losses or, or whatever the case may be and get him his work while, you know, not necessarily having to use him in, in key situations. But um, yeah, I think that's, and you know, that was one of the things the Cardinals did very early in, and they've, they've made a lot of moves since then. So it's, I wonder if the rule five draft was today, if they would still make that move or if that was right, like, we're going to grab this guy because we don't know what else is coming. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's smart. Like these are the kind of moves that I think the Cardinals are very good at is little marginal pickups. Like I, if they make a bunch of like, not specifically rule five picks, but little things where the expected gain is more than the expected cost. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, they might end up sending him back. But they might not, and it didn't cost them much. And, you know, they didn't need to, like the Rays, they didn't know they were going to get Andrew Kittredge. I think that trade uh, benefited the Cardinals fairly, mm-hmm. fairly solidly. Um, they didn't know that Ke- they'd want to sign Keenan Middleton. I'm, I'm less confident that I like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know enough. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm not the part of the offseason where I'm going to do a deep dive on a middle reliever before sure. spring training starts. I'm going to watch him throw in spring training and be like, oh, okay. Um, but I think that this kind of move, it, it's low downside. It's what, 50 grand, I think, that uh, that they know the yeah. Red Sox. Yeah. If they send him back, eh, okay, like whatever. Like, I, if I'm really concerned about saving, about the Cardinals saving 50 grand, I want to stop watching baseball. That's, I never want to be in that situation. Well, um, and, and to be fair, I mean, they've already spent the 100 grand to get him. They'd get 50 back when he went back. So they're actually gating oh. him. They've already, you know, that cost is, is out there. So yeah, yeah it, it's, it, it's, it's really immaterial. Yeah. It's like, like I think for that small cost, it's like very smart to be taking these 
these types of bets. And I think they do a good job with that in trades, in promotions. Like they got Palacios that way, right? Mm-hmm. And then they, they turned him in Andrew Kittredge. Nice. I think they're they're pretty smart about these. This was a smart move, even if it doesn't pan out. And they'll make the bullpen be acceptable. And there'll probably be some high like high visibility blowups because that's kind of what happens sometimes. Uh, but either way, like I think it's just going to be pretty much fine. Um, and if I were like taking the front office to task, it would definitely not be for their construction of the bullpen. Yeah. I think that for the most part, rightly, they just don't make a huge deal out of it. Which is good because we know what happens when John Mosley-Lux signs relievers to big contracts. So. Right. That's yeah. kind of what I mean. Like, like it, that's not where we want to be. Like, <laughs> we, we really don't want to be handing out big contracts to relievers. Like Cardinals have a bad track record with it, but a lot of people have a bad track record with it. It's one thing if you're going out and getting Josh Hader, but I don't think that made sense given that they already had Helsley. And I generally don't like teams signing kind of mid-pack, like a bunch of mid-pack relievers. It just doesn't... There can be guys where you're like, yes, I want this guy badly, and so I'm going to get him. But I think if you do it as a like if you just do it as a rule, you're going to lose overall. And it, and it really felt like the Cardinals went into this offseason not wanting to extend themselves, right? You know, Lynn's yeah. a year with an option. Gibson's a year with an option. Um, you know, everybody else that they've signed are, are under control for a while, but they're yeah. not going to be making any money. So the hater, you know, Josh Hader for five years, there was there was absolutely no way they even, you know, considered that because of, the cost. And I don't know if that's, I assume that's partly because of the RSN situation and stuff like that, but I yeah. don't know if they're looking at a time where they're going to do like once Mo is out of the picture, either this year or next year, you know, they want to leave the, the roster kind of free for the next guy to be able to kind of put his stamp on it really quickly. Yeah. I mean, like the only deal that has any like combination of length and money this off season is Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. And here's a huge underpay. Like, so, I, I like I think you're totally right that they were they were cognizant of wanting to generally keep powder dry and keep flexible, and also if you're allowed to sign Sonny Gray for only three years at like a very cheap rate for as good as he is, like sure, okay, that like I think a lot of front office management, particularly the way that uh, the Cardinals run the team, is avoiding sunk costs and avoiding like big losers. And so that, that's a good reason to not extend yourself out. But, I mean, Gray's deal is under market enough, I think, that like the way that you avoid a big loser with Sonny Gray is that he's actually worth like 526 or something. And he got, you know, 323. And so he's making less per year for less years than fair value. So like even if he gets worse, you're still winning. <laughs> I, I think that like it is very smart to, if you can, keep your commitments short and be able to move on from players who are not performing the way you expected. But also it's smart to to get somebody for less than you'd expect to pay given the rest of the free market, free agent market. And in that sense, I think you're totally right that they came into this offseason thinking, yeah, let, let's keep the decks clear. But Gray was just too tempting at, at too good of a deal. He wanted to pitch for the Cardinals. I'm almost positive he took a discount. They signed him at a time when it, like you looked at the deal and you're like, oh, are, are pitchers going to be cheap? And then they weren't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they weren't. Yeah, no, um, no. It was like him and maybe Marcus Stroman and maybe Shota Emanaga and everyone else cost a bundle. Like everyone else who was any good. So yeah, I I agree with you that clearly they 
they went into this offseason with the plan to keep things short. I, I would not look at the gray trade as evidence or the gray signing as evidence of anything else. That's just like, come on, what are, you, are we going to not sign this guy? Well, and they had to get, they knew they had to get a top of the rotation starter and yeah, you can't they get got, a top of the rotation on one year contract. Exactly. They got the shortest length mm-hmm. and nearly lowest average annual value top end starter, but also not the worst one. So great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they got it locked up, you know, I mean, Blake Snell's still sitting out there. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it could have been, a lot worse. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have any faults with the Sunny Gray. The only thing I questioned about the Sunny Gray move was why they had, they felt like they need to sign Lennon Gibson first. Um, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I was, don't know. Like, you know, maybe, timing. yeah, the timing was kind of weird because yeah. they were like, we're building to a big, I mean, they did. I, their last pitching signing was the best. Yep. It's like, yeah. uh, it was like when the Yankees traded for Alex Verdugo and then Juan Soto later that day. It's like, well, you don't have to, like, you could have just not done the little signing and done that, like, much later and no one would care. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that I'm a dummy and that Lynn and Gibson were not just, let's only do it for a year because we want to keep, uh, keep things clean, but actually really good signings. And if that's the case, then I think this is a great Cardinals team. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that you were right, that the the reason they made those two signings was not so much that, oh, like, these guys are amazing. We think they're hugely undervalued. They're going to help our team. It's that these are the best guys we can get on one-year deals. And wanted to come to St. Louis. Right. I mean, right. That, that, that seemed to be the, that really seems to be the key. Like, these guys were That's maybe true. anxious enough to do that, that they didn't, one, they could sign them quickly, and two, they could sign them at a deal that, you know, didn't they didn't have to worry about breaking the bank for? Yeah, but honestly, like I don't think they're bad deals. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're they're both like fair value. Like I'm not like God, they're overpaying Lance Lynn. God, they're overpaying Kyle Gibson. I think that's not the case at all. Like this is the right price for those guys. Um, it's just I wanted more, right? But I think you're just right. Like they just wanted, yeah. They they were trying to figure out who they could get on one year deals, and these were the the guys. Yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody would have been happier if they'd signed Lynn or Gibson, and then use that <laughs> right. other spot for like a real number two or a number three or whatever the case. Somebody better than the Miles Bikeless, but yes, I totally Gibson. agree. If they'd taken one of those two, and then like I'm using Imanaga a lot just because like mm-hmm. I like him, but maybe they didn't like him. But someone of that level, like a right. like a, a step down from Sunny Gray, he's not as good as Sunny Gray. But uh, a step ahead of either Gibson or Lynn. Like if they kind of cut through the middle a little more. Yeah, I think everyone would be a lot happier. I certainly yeah. would be. Yeah, because I mean, going into this winter, it was like, oh, they need to get at least two guys and hopefully three better than Miles Michaelis. And they got one. Um, <laughs> right. You know. They got two guys who are a lot like Miles Michaelis. Right. So, you know. Right. I mean, two guys that could be better than Miles Michaelis if they do well and Miles doesn't. But, you know, that's not necessarily the way you want to project right. the season either. So. Talked a lot about the pitching side. What do you think of the offense going into this year? Obviously, it's a lot of young guys, a lot of talented guys, but it seemed to sputter a bit last year. Is that something to concern about? I mean, yeah. Like, I think a lot of being a baseball fan is uh, like worrying about something like this that is not <laughs> your real life. Like, I like getting to worry when the the stakes are low. Mm-hmm. And look, uh, let's be honest, the the Cardinals losing a game or having a worse offense than expected hurts my life a lot less than a lot of 
like things that actually affect my life. Um, I, I think that's one really nice thing. Like you should worry. Like I love worrying about baseball teams cause you know, like it's great. I, I have to worry some amount. I'd, I'd much prefer it to be about the Cardinals than about like whether I'm going to make rent. Like that sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but like, obviously everyone's going to worry. I think that the Cardinals offense is going to be excellent. I, I thought that last year and honestly it sputtered and yet it was still pretty good because they just have so many good hitters. Um, and I think a similar thing will happen this year. Like I am looking at the 2023 leaders. Let's go to team leaders here on fangraphs.com, a website that I work for. Um, I feel like I hadn't gotten a plug in for a while and the Cardinals play in just like a terrible offensive environment, Bush stadium. And they were still like middle of the pack in run scoring. They scored two fewer runs than the Rockies. Um, <laughs> that's, that's just shocking. They scored nine fewer runs in the Brewers who play in a much better offensive stadium and made the playoffs comfortably. And everyone thought it was pretty decent. Um, and they had a down year. Like they inarguably had a down year and yet like, I think they didn't like sequence particularly well that they got kind of unlucky there and the offense was still all right. Um, what I am worried about offensively is how much longer will Goldschmidt and Arnado be like truly elite hitters. Yeah. One thing that I, again, I, I give the front office a lot of credit for is when they realized that the plan from like the, the 2010s wasn't working post Pujols, post Carpenter, not being at his uh, best when Molina stopped being a, like a huge difference maker offensively. Cause for what, three years, four years in the early 2010s, he yeah. was also just like one of the best hitting catchers in baseball. Mm-hmm. And when that was happening, like they didn't need other stars. The stars was just the fact that the whole team hit, but they did a great job pivoting to the Goldschmidt Arenado, like style of team, like build it around great hitters. When those guys stop being like true difference makers. And I don't think that's 2024, but I, I think that you could argue that Arenado was headed that way a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I don't give, I don't, read a lot into Goldschmidt being worse in 23 than in 22 because he was just outrageous in 22. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like a little more worried about Arnado's game just because I think there's a little bit less to uh, cushion it. So much of it is based on like the fact that he's just like for a guy who swings so much, he just crushes the ball. Um, he like never strikes out and also hits the ball on a line a lot. So when he's like, if that trails off, I think you can see his offense getting worse kind of quickly. And, like, that's what happened in 2023. So that worries me. I'm not really worried about Goldschmidt. Like, I think he's just still going to be good. But in two or three years, that's kind of the the thing about the offense that worries me. I think they've done a really good job of developing good hitters. Um, Developing great hitters, I don't know how much of that is actually skill and how much of it is just, like, right place, right time. Like, how much credit do you give the Cardinals for developing Pujols? Like, not zero. Definitely not zero. But... Like, not that much. How much credit do you give the Astros for developing Jordan Alvarez? Like, like okay, some. But, no. Also, like, that guy's just a freak. Like, have you seen him hit? He's so big, and he's so coordinated. And he knows whether the pitch is going to be a ball or a strike. Like, like you just sometimes you just get lucky. I I know, um, like, Kevin Goldstein, who used to work for Fangraphs, um, was the Astros director of international scouting at the time. And he had seen, like, when they traded for Jordan. And he had seen him, like, but he was a 15-year-old or something. (laughs) And he was like, you know, I think this guy's interesting. And they traded him for, like, you know, they got him for, like, a 
a somewhat interesting reliever, Josh Fields. And it wasn't like, like, candidly, Kevin was not like, we knew this guy was going to be just an absolute terror. He's like, yeah, like, I liked him a little bit and we got lucky. Like, that just happens. Sometimes you get lucky and the guy's an, just a stud hitter. That hasn't really happened with anybody on the Cardinals yet. So, like, to some extent, that's worrisome. Like, Jordan Walker, like, maybe could have been that guy and maybe will be that guy. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm hoping that the, that the Cardinals kind of, you know, roll, I don't know, double sixes or whatever the equivalent <laughs> is. I'm, hard eight, whatever you want to call it. Um and develop another like just amazing hitter. But I, I do think that there's a real threat to the team when the way that it's built now, which is like two just absolute towers on offense surrounded by like average hitters makes a good offense. Well, that doesn't work as well when you don't have the two absolute beasts. So I'm hoping they can replace those. I mean, just no idea if they will. I, I, I think that is just, like I said, just pure luck uh, yeah. to some extent, like, it's pure luck whether your prospect turns into just like an absolute crusher. And the Cardinals have not had a lot of that luck recently. You know, they've that's why they traded for Goldschmidt and Arnada, because they they weren't having their hitters and uh, you know, RIP to Oscar Tavares and everything. Um, but like maybe it'll happen again, but that's kind of the the long-term worry to me is that like this team has done a really good job of scoring a ton of runs, but a lot of that has been because they correctly identified that they didn't have any stars and went out and bought them. Right. Um, so how do they get in the next set of stars? Yeah. And I mean, it, it does help that they have a higher draft pick this time around if they use yeah. it well. Um, you know, hey, they've, maybe... been, they've been pretty good at their draft picks. I'm, right. um, I'm very impressed by the, uh, who's it? Randy Flores. Randy Flores. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Very impressed by the Randy Flores era of like, Finding guys who work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, oh, I think, you know, that helps. Um, but yeah, I mean, cause you got to have the talent there to, to develop and, and that's sometimes hard to find in the twenties of the draft round, but you can obviously, you know, Pujols was 13th round. I think, you know, you can find yeah. those kind of guys somewhere here and there. So um, I, I know that you're right. That is going to be very interesting to see how that develops. Um, you, the only, I think about the offense and I start thinking about Nolan Gorman's back. Um, is there any concern with you that that's a chronic issue that they're, he's going to have to deal with constantly? Or is it something that as he can do his, you know, his training and everything like that, strengthen it, figure out how to, to be better and not have that flare up as often? Yeah. Um, for position player injuries, until they get to like Byron Buxton level, mm-hmm. I think I've just found it easier to not care too much. Like it, it just doesn't seem like a lot of those stick with guys. Yeah. If you think about the the injury prone like hitters of like Ronald Acuna, I feel like has a reputation as being pretty injury prone. But like, do you care? Um, he's great. Uh, and also, he wasn't very injury prone last year. I, I think that. I'm not too worried. I'm much more worried about pitchers who are injury prone and constantly hurt, even if it's not elbow things, even if it's not shoulder things. If your body is just not like up for it uh, as a pitcher, that really worries me. Back injuries are obviously the scariest among hitters just because like soft tissue injuries just don't seem as bad, but they just seem pretty random for hitters. They're not exerting the same body part with this inhuman stress in the way that pitchers are. 
But no, nah, I, I'm not saying that his back is going to be healthy. Uh, I'm just saying that it doesn't feel like it wouldn't change my evaluation of him very much, essentially. That he is what his record is, and I wouldn't strongly dock him for his back. And I wouldn't, like, if his back were magically healed tomorrow and had never had any injuries and he had just missed that time for something else freakish, like, um, uh, like, you know, punched a plate glass window and <laughs> cut his hand. But clearly that's now healed. I would feel the same way about him. Uh, which is, and to be clear, I think he's a really good hitter. And I think he, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up out hitting Jordan Walker as a Cardinal. Like, I know that the prospect shine is more off of Gorman. But I, I think I was very wrong on him. I was, I was kind of not in. Uh, I was getting into trying to do some historical looks at what kinds of prospects have panned out. And my model did not like Gorman. <laughs> it just thought he's like people who strike out as much as he does at low levels of the minors mostly don't work out. And so I was down on him for sure. And I think that was wrong. I think that, you know, one of the reasons that those historical analyses haven't worked that well is that uh, like plenty of hitters strike out a lot in the minors, but not plenty of hitters hit the ball as hard as Gorman. Right. And we used to not be able to measure that. And so I think there was a lot more fool's gold 30 years ago, but People who I talked to, like, either in the Cardinals org or who scouted the Cardinals org were just like, oh, this guy just absolutely obliterates the ball. Like, it, that's why he strikes out so much. It's because he's swinging so freaking hard. And, yeah, like, I was wrong on that. He he really does just smash the ball. Looks like, like I don't want him to strike out this much, but I think that he's going to be the real deal. Well, and we will get to see that pretty soon as the season starts, you know, what, less than two weeks now till the opening of camps. Um, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to, to seeing out of out of the out of the Cardinals in Jupiter, maybe even the first couple of weeks before games start? Uh, yeah, I, well, probably not the first couple of weeks before games start because I <laughs> just won't watch that much, but my favorite Cardinal thing to watch is Mason Wynn playing defense. Mm -hmm. And so I am just, I don't really care about spring training games that much. I think that the competition is so uneven that you like, I'm not that excited to watch Sonny Gray pitch against a bunch of like low A guys who got non-roster invites. Um, I'm very excited to watch Mason Wynn just like absolutely <laughs> rock at the ball. That's, that's what I'm going to be watching spring training for like a little bit of seeing home runs from guys. I like, but a lot of defense and he is my favorite defensive highlight in the majors right now. His arm is just, <laughs> just amazing. Yeah. I, I watching spring training last year. That was easily the highlight. Not, you know, I mean, he had a good offensive spring as well, but some of the plays that he made, not only, you know, just the arm, but just some of the heads up plays. Yeah. He, he's a really like intelligent defender too. He's fun to watch. And sometimes he's spinning and you're just like, why is he throwing this ball? And it comes out of there hot and like, this is great. Um, yeah. he's, he's just a joy to watch. I, I think that, I mean, of course, anytime you're playing St. Louis shortstop, you get compared to Ozzy Smith, right? I mean, that's just the yeah. nature of it. And usually that does that comparison doesn't come off well. Um, but he brings a, he brings the flair and excitement to that position that Ozzy did, even if he does it a different way. Obviously Ozzy didn't have the arm that, that win has totally. but i i think that there's 
there's a comparison to how exciting it is to watch them play. Yeah. I mean, the reason that I am as much of a baseball fan as I am is Ozzy Smith. Like Mm -hmm. there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When I was like, I'm 38 now. I was born in the middle of the eighties. And my dad got me this. I mean, God, I think it was like a gas station video, but it was called Ozzy. That's a winner. Mm -hmm. And it was him like advertising, for something that I completely forget interspersed with defensive highlights. And I I'm lefty, but I watched that video in my basement like day in and day out till the tape wore out and <laughs> practiced all of his throws. Like which I couldn't do. I was five or something. Right. Um, and so that has just been like linked to my Cardinals fandom for my life. And I, I totally with you that part of the reason that Mason Wynn highlights are my favorite thing is because it gives me a little bit of that old Aussie feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun to, to see how, and I, I'm really interested to see him and Walker together for, for the year. And, you know, if they can kind of push them, each other and, and, you know, there are, there are things to be excited about, even if there's a few uh, clouds on the horizon. As totally. Well. Uh, ben, I know you've been right. You've written quite a bit, even as of recently, you've got anything else you're working on for fan graphs? Um, yeah, always, you know, it's oh, always oh, a little, you, little you always have like three or four life. started in somewhere. Yeah. Try to try to have a few things, uh, on the boiler, a few things that I'm prepping, a few things that are cooling down to go. Um, I'd say the big thing that's coming up is we do a big prospects week around like right after the Super Bowl, basically. Mm-hmm. So as soon as people start, stop looking at football, we say like, here's all of our prospect coverage. So that's in two weeks. Um, I am going to be, I always contribute some like data driven guys who maybe this, maybe the lists don't love, but who might be contributors. Um, so I always do that, but more importantly, our prospect team is going to be just putting out like a metric ton of information. There's going to be a lot of Cardinals prospects on it. And I always think it's like one of my favorite times to read of the year because I don't know that enough about prospects and there's just, I read everybody's stuff. It's fun when the BP 100 comes out, fun when Baseball America 100 comes out, but obviously I'm, I'm partial to ours and that's coming up soon. I'm really excited. That'll be fun. That, yeah. I mean, it is that time. We write a lot, a lot of prospect stuff out there. A lot of things as, as the season gets started. And so everybody should go and check that out. Check Ben out at Fangraphs. And um, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me on with it. Yeah. Um, like I said, next week, Dane Perry will join us, but until then, for Ben, I'm Daniel. Good night. Alice had the second for one. The double play. What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy.